You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? In this edition, we visit with the composer and multi-instrumentalist Ned Rothenberg, whose entries in the Roulette Concert Archive top 100 and date back to 1981. We'll hear selections from the archive and the stories that weave them together. We won't have time to credit all the musicians, collaborators, and projects that illustrate this program, but we'll put them in the metadata and always at roulette.org slash archive where you'll find the complete unedited performances as well. And now, Ned Rothenberg. I grew up outside Boston in Newton, Massachusetts, and started playing the recorder at age six. From the recorder, the clarinet was the next thing that you put in your mouth, so I said, okay. A few years later, when I thought I was a pretty good budding clarinet player, I ran into a girl from the neighboring junior high school who was still actually my friend, and she played the clarinet better than me, which irritated the hell out of me. So I switched to the saxophone went through high school as a music jock. I certainly was not an athletic jock. And went off to Oberlin, famous for having a college and a conservatory, although I actually ended up attending only the college because uh, while they promised me that they would start a saxophone major, they did not. But I liked the school, and, and, and I got to take advantage of the conservatory anyway, so I ended up with a Bachelor of Arts. But luckily, as I finished up at Oberlin... Two things were happening. I was playing in a group with Bob Ostertag and Jim Katzen. Bob and I were invited by Anthony Braxton, who had just visited Oberlin, to go off to Europe with him. And so that was my first big professional experience. And certainly Anthony was a mentor. My main mentor as a teenager was Sonny Rollins. I copied everything I could possibly hear of his. We all have those people that we worship got off this tour of Europe and came to New York with Bob and Jim Katzen, who was a violinist, and we had a group called Fall Mountain, which had quite a bit of early success for three nobodies from nowhere. We were playing at the good old Ear Inn, and uh, Robert Fripp came and dropped us a nice mention in the Soho Weekly News. I, meanwhile, began to 
studied the shakuhachi flute, which I had been interested in from listening to the great Wadazumi Do at Oberlin. That was also at Oberlin. I studied composition with Derry John Mizell, who also was a kind of, I would say, naive shakuhachi player, but he made his own flute, and um, that was certainly an influence. We all met John Zorn and Polly Bradfield and Eugene Chadbourne. In fact, the first Fall Mountain record was on Eugene Chadbourne's parachute label. Then I began to play music with the, all those founders of what is now called the New York downtown scene. So I started to do solo music, and one of the first places I played in 1981 was a certain loft on West Broadway called Roulette. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about Roulette and me, though, is also that, you know, it was a home of, of, of a lot of improvised concerts where somebody was visiting from out of town. And, you know, because I've had a lot of experience playing in both Europe and Japan, you know, Yumiko Tanaka, Masahiko Sato, Hans Reichel, um, Evan Parker, you know, people visiting from those places. When I played with Fred Frith and Hans Reichel in 1987, it was a great honor, both because I admired um, them both so much. I think the reason that it happened was that I had recently come back from Japan and had actually done a number of duo concerts with, with Hans there. But Hans, uh, you know, for those who don't know, know him, he's, I suppose, less notorious than Fred, but 
an equally amazing player and also instrument builder, font designer. He created an instrument called the Daxophone, which is now played superbly by another close colleague and friend of mine, Kazuhisa Uchihashi. Anybody who hasn't heard of Hans Reichel, check him out. R-E-I-C-H-E-L. Hans passed away, oh, must be about seven years ago now. But also, um, you know, Hans and, and, and Fred are just two superb guitarists, and, and uh, so it was a, just a great treat to get to play with them at uh, uh, that concert at Roulette. Back in the day, there was a place called the Soho Music Gallery where uh, certain people worked behind the counter, including John Zorn, Anthony Coleman, Tim Byrne, I think Anton Fear. Anyway, my buddy John would always alert me. Uh, they were also the ones ordering the records. And these were the days when it was not so easy to find music from anywhere. You had to go look for it. Well, so this was a treasure trove. And John, I remember telling me, Oh, I, we got in this incredible Okora box set of music from Chad. And on this record are various performances called Tupuri Orchestra. And I listened to this music and it just was so enchanting. And yet it somehow sounded familiar. And in those days when I was into a record, I would just listen to it over and over again for hours. So I had this kind of experience with it. And then a number of years later... I went to see Satyricon by Federico Fellini, which I had already seen about 10 years before. And I remember thinking at the time that I'd seen it as a teenager, how wonderful the music was and what a genius Nino Rota must be, which is not, nothing against Nino Rota, but when I actually saw the movie for the second time, I realized that at least half the music is this music from Chad, which is, of course, only credited way in the back on the credits and, and is not by Nino Rota at all. This music, without getting too technical, utilizes, uh, uh, like a lot of African music, polyrhythms combined with timbral shifts that are absolutely intoxicating. And, and it was very influential on the way that I work with my instruments, where I will often use multiple um, sounds that have roughly the same pitch, but have different kinds of timbres, and then uh, mix them up rhythmically. Thank you. 
So this concert was an example of, of many concerts I've done at Roulette where I'm playing with an invited guest who's coming from far away, and in this case, Yumiko Tanaka, who is a Gidayu Shamisen player from Tokyo. Gidayu Shamisen is the Shamisen traditional that plays with the Bunraku Puppet Theater. Yumiko is one of the foremost players of the Gidayu. And she's also a great singer and great improviser and really very uninhibited, shall we say. Evan Parker is certainly a, an old friend and mentor of mine who I first met on the aforementioned Anthony Braxton tour in 1978. On that tour, we played at the MERS Jazz Festival, and I heard Evan do a quartet with Paul Litton, Barry Guy, and Kenny Wheeler that was just, you know, one of these life-changing, phenomenal open improv sets that, that kind of changed my life about what open improv could be. 
Anyway, I visited Evan a, a number of times over the next few years, really kind of as a student, but we never had a lesson uh, formally ever. Uh, we would just talk about music. And one of the things, early things that he made me realize, because I would say, how'd you invent this? How'd you invent that? What I should say is that Evan Parker made me realize that a lot of the things that I thought I heard in my head could be possible. And when I asked him how he invented this kind of polyphonic mode of playing the saxophone, he said, listen to this. And he put on a, a, record, a cassette recording, not great sound, of a Sopranino saxophone that sounded kind of like Evan back before he could quite do what he does. And he said, what do you think that is? I said, well, is, is that you on Sopranino before you could circular breathe? And he said, that's Lamont Young playing the Sopranino in like 1962. And so it, the lesson of that is never say you invented anything. And by the same token, while I never took a lesson from Evan, listening to him and this what I call polyphonic mode of constant textural saxophone as opposed to melodic saxophone playing was incredibly important to me and and I kind of translated that to a a very different style of said genre on the alto saxophone and bass clarinet where Evan would rarely use a very steady pulse and 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 always had a kind of spiraling feeling I used much more dance-based kind of grooves, and uh, but the same technical foundation for it. And then, of course, when we finally did start playing together, it was just very easy to work together. Oh, my God. 
So this is a concert that celebrated a CD I did for John Zorn's Sadik label called Ryunashi. Ryu in Japanese means school. Ryunashi means no school. While I love the shakuhachi and I respect everything about it as an instrument and, and I love the music, the thing I like least about Japanese traditional arts in general is their very competitive and non-cooperative schools. <laughs> I think I know the music quite deeply, but I have no allegiance to any particular school. After playing the shakuhachi for 30 years, I, well, or say, I should say about 20 years, I began to compose my own music for it. And I would mix motives that came out of the different schools together, which is something you would never hear Japanese people do. And I felt like it was part of the freedom afforded me as, a, as an outsider. Beyoncé was a piece that I premiered with the Paul Drescher Ensemble in San Francisco, and it was, uh, it's both an acknowledgement and a tribute to Terry Riley, who wrote a foundational piece called In C, where all the musicians play through a series of small figures, which are in C, at their own pace, uh, and create a, a web of minimalist music that has been played over and over again and is never the same twice. I love that idea. This mix will give you a little taste of the piece.
Roulette was one of the original places that offered musicians like myself who really didn't fit into any specific style. I was one of the original downtown, is it jazz he's playing? Is he playing, is it noise music? Is it contemporary music? Roulette was one of the original places that didn't need you to package yourself or answer any of those questions. And it's still that today. A snapshot of the musical life and projects of composer and multi-instrumentalist Ned Rothenberg, who has performed for the Roulette Concert Series over 100 times across four decades. These podcasts are made possible in part by support from the National Endowment for the Arts. This is David Weinstein at the desk. Thanks to Ned Rothenberg and everybody. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.